Good morning, City Gates. Uh, it is so good to be opening the Gospel of John with you this morning. We're going to be reading from John 17, 1 to 3. Uh, and this is a passage that has deeply shaped both who I understand God to be and how I understand my own story as a follower of Jesus. And I pray as we open it this morning, it will do the same for you. So John 17, 1 to 3. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, I think you'll agree with me, there is much in this passage this morning that we could dig out. We are definitely in the deep end of the pool. Uh, these three verses give us a deeper look into Jesus' eternal relationship of love with the Father and into our own stories as Christians. But for these next few minutes, we're going to look at two questions in particular. We're going to ask, how did we come to be followers of Jesus? And what does it mean to experience eternal life in Jesus? And these three verses help us to see into these two questions. Now, I don't know about you, but when people ask me how I came to be a follower of Jesus, I often answer the question by telling them the story of my life and stringing together the events that led to me trusting my life in Jesus' hands. And that is a good and encouraging way to answer this question. But this passage encourages us to probe even deeper into this question. It encourages us to look for the how behind the how. How did you and I come to be followers of Jesus? How did we come to be rescued from sin and death? And how did we come to experience eternal life in him? And verse 2 of this passage answers this how behind the how by saying that God has saved us by giving authority to Jesus to rescue us and by giving us to Jesus to be rescued. Now verses such as this one and another verse in the Gospel of John, John 6, 44, which says, that no man comes to Jesus unless the Father draws him there. These verses have been very critical in shaping my own understanding of my story as someone who was drawn out of death and sin and brought into fellowship with Jesus. Now, as I was a high school student, I often experienced both a deep insecurity because of the shallowness of my faith and a false sense of superiority over others who may not have been pursuing Jesus actively with their lives. And a lot of these issues, both of these issues, stemmed from a common root in my life, that even though I understood that Jesus saved me by faith, I falsely believed that faith was something I had to produce and maintain in myself in order to be right with God. Now, as I came towards the end of high school, I was confronted with the deep layers of selfishness and pride in myself, 
and I came to see that if I was going to be saved, I was deeply dependent on God to bring me to Jesus. I was dependent on God both to give me faith in the first place and to continue to stick with me in order to build me up in my faith and to establish me as a child of God who is obedient in all of life. And so for all of us who have trusted in Jesus for myself and for you, verses like this and like John 6:44 encourage us to reflect back on our story in light of the reality that we are Christians because God the Father gave us to Jesus. He drew us into fellowship with Jesus. We are rescued because God has given the authority to Jesus to rescue us and has given us to Jesus to be rescued. Now, the New Testament also um, reminds us at many places that the Holy Spirit is deeply involved in this as well. And the theme throughout Scripture is that God's rescue mission is accomplished by God alone in all three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our salvation, our reconciliation to God, is God's project from beginning to end. Now, in the Gospel of John, our rescue from sin and death, God's rescue mission on earth, is often described as the gift of eternal life, which encourages us to ask the question, what does it mean to experience eternal life? In one way, the answer to this question is obvious. Um, to experience eternal life means to live forever without dying. But these three verses, and specifically verse 3, encourage us to see that eternal life is actually much more than just living forever without dying. Eternal life in Jesus, experiencing eternal life in Jesus, means growing in a deepening relationship with him and with his Father. In other words, it revolves around a deep personal knowledge of God. Now, it's important to recognize that Jesus isn't just saying that eternal life includes knowing God. He actually says eternal life is knowing God. To know God and to know Jesus, whom he has sent, is the core of our experience as Christians. Now, when Jesus is saying that eternal life is defined by knowledge of God, he isn't just saying that Knowledge of God is knowing the right information about God. And he isn't just saying that we live our lives aware that he is the ruler of heaven and earth and just obeying him as a distance. It means being drawn into the very family life of God. Knowing God as father and knowing Jesus as friend and savior and brother and experiencing eternal life in this relationship. It means being brought into the family love of father and son, which these persons have been experiencing for all of eternity. It means to know the father and to know the son and to have our whole lives shaped by this relationship. Now, this reality that eternal life revolves around a personal relationship with Jesus and with the father uh, has been critical to my own growth as a Christian, and especially so in this last season. Now, as many of you know, um, I've spent most of my adult life in British Columbia, and in this last year have moved back to Ontario, um, where I grew up as a child. 
Now, for many of us, this last season has been difficult and has brought us face to face with how relational we are as people. And for me, it has confronted me with the deep longing in myself to live in a place where I'm both deeply known and loved and have consistently deepening relationships with others. Now, these verses remind us that not only is eternal life a eternal life with God without dying, but that in God's gift of eternal life to us, he addresses the, one of the deepest longings in us to know and to be known. Meaning that as I struggle to build new relationships um, in this province that I haven't lived in for um, many years, in this season of COVID, God the Father and His Son know me to the core of who I am and have welcomed me into the family life that they have experienced and shared with each other for all of eternity. Now bringing this to the ground level, we might ask, how do these verses encourage us to respond to God in love and in faith? Now, seeing Jesus' words, that we are brought into the family love of God and that we know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom we have sent, it encourages us to think about God in two really important ways. One is to know God as the only true God. It means that he is the exclusive creator of heaven and earth. He only rules heaven and earth and only he can be our source of significance and satisfaction. Not only that, but Jesus is his only representative. Jesus is the only Savior King of the world, and only by being connected with Jesus can we be brought into a reconciled relationship with the Father. So as we see that eternal life is knowing God and Jesus whom he sent, it's a necessary conclusion for us to draw out that if he only is God and Jesus only is Savior, then turning to him in faith means turning away from everything that we depend on for our ultimate satisfaction and significance. It means turning away from idols, everything that God has, anything that God has created that we worship as though it were God himself. Not only that, but it means staying with Jesus. And in the surrounding chapters, um, in what's known as the Upper Room Discourse, in John 15, he encourages us to abide with him, knowing that we bear fruit as we stay close to Jesus. So one major way that we bring this passage to the ground in our lives is by simply staying close to Jesus. It means dwelling and meditating on his words like we're doing in this series. It means asking him what it means for us to obey him in our present lives. And it means following, following after him continually day after day. And we do this out of the assurance of knowing that we are Christians because God has given the authority to Jesus to rescue us. And knowing that our experience as Christians, the Christian life, eternal life with God, revolves around a personal knowledge of Jesus. A knowledge that starts now, a relationship that starts now, and continues into the new creation, into the new heavens and new earth.